The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Man, it is great to be back today. We've got a lot of exciting things coming on uh, here in the life of Coastal. Uh, we've got uh, life groups starting uh, today, actually a bunch of groups. And even if you haven't, uh, again, like Ryan said, if you haven't signed up yet, um, you can show up to a life group today or tomorrow. Uh, you know, it might be quick for someone to give you a call, but all the information's there uh, in, your, um, in, in your life group catalog. And I've got some great groups that are meeting today, tonight, and all throughout the week. It's going to be an awesome uh, awesome week. And, and I'm not just excited today uh, because Clemson uh, won last night, a uh, great game, and that Carolina lost last night. In fact, that's kind of the reason why we're here today is to offer love and grace to the hurting among us. And uh, so we're, we're glad that you're here as well. Um, hey, uh, several years ago, I had a meeting actually with a, with a gentleman that, that I will never, ever forget. Uh, it, it was the husband uh, it was with the husband of a couple uh, who at that point had been involved in our church for several years. Uh, they were an older couple and, and outwardly that you would probably classify them as uh, being a little bit more mature in their faith. I mean, they had been in churches uh, for a large portion of their adult life. Uh, they had been involved in ministry. They were givers. Uh, they read their Bible regularly. And they'd been in small groups uh, over the years. But they were leaving our church. And uh, they would not be coming back. Now, the reality, reality is, is that people leave churches today for all different kinds of reasons. And um, that's, honestly, that's not what made the meeting uh, so memorable. The reason I will never forget this particular meeting with this particular man is the reason he gave for their departure. Now, first of all, he wanted me to know uh, that, you know, they loved me and they loved the people of our church and... They love uh, my messages, which, you know, it's kind of funny to me because that's, you know, what people typically say when it's, you know, it's almost like they're breaking up. It's not you, it's me, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, that, again, this, that was not it. Um, I mean, they loved our, our style, um, but the reason that they would be leaving the church was that the church was growing and we were reaching people. And he began to talk about how he knew that that meant uh, changes were coming, and uh, they liked things the way they were. And honestly, he was very, very matter-of-fact about it. And I mean, I sat there in my office, and I'll be honest with you, I was, I was absolutely dumbfounded. And the only thing I could get out of my mouth at first, you know, after my, my, my jaw dropped was, Wow. Wow. And, and my, my response kind of res, uh, surprised him a little bit. And, and I, I remember to this day what he said. He goes, what do you mean, wow? And, and this is what I said. I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not sure I've ever met anyone who would actually say that, at least not out loud. And, uh, you know, we, we continued to talk for a few minutes and gave him a hug and, you know, I love you, you love me, and, and, and that was that. Now, the truth is, you know, over 27 years now uh, as a pastor here at Coastal, uh, I have met lots and lots of people who, while they would never say that 
or admit that out loud. The truth is, they don't like change. And they don't like the change that, that reaching new people and, and growing uh, brings to a church. You know, I, I had somebody recently, uh, you know, lament to me that, uh, boy, I think things have changed, you know, since we've, you know, moved into this building. And I'm like, yeah, you know, of course they have. Now, now I, I understand where, you know, some of the pushback comes from. You know, I understand what people might be thinking. They're like, you know, yeah, but, you know, Pastor Chris, come on. You know, in large churches, you know, it's uh, uh, very impersonal. And, you know, sure, sometimes, you know, it can be. You know, sometimes larger churches are impersonal and unfriendly. But I'll be honest with you, I've been to a lot of small churches that ain't friendly one bit, you know. And then they'll go, well, yeah, but, you know, it's all about the numbers. And, uh, you know, I don't want to just be a number. Now, we talk about numbers here. We do. I do. Uh, we count. We count attendance. Uh, you know, in fact, um, in two weeks, in two weeks on October the 1st, uh, we are having uh, a big day. Uh, in fact, you can uh, uh, pull out your Connect card, if you will, that uh, Ryan referenced earlier. And uh, you'll notice there's a bunch of things in your bulletin today on the announcement sheet and on the back of the Connect card that all surround uh, the big day that we're having. In fact, uh, look at this. Inside your uh, bulletin today is a little invite card. Uh, this is not for you, uh, although it is a reminder that, yes, we're having a big day on October 1st. It was supposed to be today, but we postponed it because of the storm and all that. We just wanted to give us some room to uh, kind of talk about it and get prepared for it. And uh, so this is for you to give to somebody. Uh, this is for you to use as an invite tool to reach out to someone. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of exciting things going on here uh, on October the 1st. Uh, we're going to have tailgating outside. Uh, in fact, if you'd like to uh, participate in that, be one of the tailgaters, you can sign up for that uh, on the back of your Connect card. Uh, there's going to be uh, free Kona ice, uh, jump castles for the kids. Uh, and the big news is uh, we're having a baptism service uh, at the end. All right, at the end of both services outside. And uh, it's going to be great. And you can sign up for any one of those things uh, there on the back of your Connect card. In fact, uh, on the very bottom of the next steps, it says, please pray for my one uh, that I will invite to the big day on October 1st. And uh, we're encouraging you today to write down the name uh, of the person that you're going to invite and bring to church with you. And we'd like to pray with you and pray for that person specifically, uh, our, our prayer team, our staff. And uh, in fact, today, if you fill that out and write someone's name down, we'll kind of uh, reach out to you. We'll kind of include you on a little email list. And I uh, just send you some, uh, some encouraging words uh, throughout the next couple of weeks uh, as we begin to pray for October the 1st. Now, back to the big day and counting. I actually believe that very easily, very easily, we could and should uh, break 700 people in attendance uh, on October 1st. Uh, I believe that by the year 2020, uh, in just three short years, we ought to be a church of over 1,000 people in attendance. Now, as we continue to grow, you know, we're going to talk about change. We're going to talk about growth and the things that got to happen here at Coastal. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, building another building on our property uh, back there in our big backyard. So you never even walk back there. We've got a big piece of property back there. Uh, and we're going to build uh, another building back there, a dedicated worship space, uh, expanded children's uh, space. And then this facility, this building, becomes dedicated to our students and our community. Um, or who knows? You know, maybe we'll think about and talk about 
uh, building or buying the piece of property uh, right across the street from Charleston County. They don't know what they're doing, so we might as well look into that. Um, anyway, but we count. We do. We count attendance. But I also want to know, by the way, how many people are serving here? How many people are involved in ministry? How many people are volunteering? I want to know how many people are involved in a life group. Now, why? Why do numbers matter? Why do we count? Let me give you a couple of reasons for that this morning. First of all, and most importantly, number one, every single number is a person. Is a person. Every number is a real human being with a face, with a name, with a story that matters, with a, with a family and, listen to this, and an eternal destiny. And we believe here at Coastal that every person deserves an opportunity to be shown the love of Jesus and to hear the gospel of Jesus and decide for themselves whether they will give their heart, their life, and their allegiance to him. You know, what if? What if we just said one day, well, you know, hey, let's forget it. Let's forget talking about building another building and going through all that hassle. Let's forget about changing. Let's forget about growing. Come on, you know, that's expensive. Let's just save the money. I mean, you know, I don't know everybody who's coming to church now, and if we get any bigger, I'm never going to know everybody. And, you know, the Welcome Center is getting crowded, and, you know, come on, sometimes even the women's restroom gets a little crowded, and, and sometimes we run out of free chocolate milk. Oh, my goodness, you know. And, you know, now that we're, you know, over 500 people coming to church, why don't we just stop growing larger? Let's focus on growing deeper. Let me tell you why we won't say that. Number one, I don't think those things are you know, mutually exclusive. I'm not a, you know, either or person. I'm a both and. I think we ought to grow larger and we ought to grow deeper. We ought to reach people and we ought to make disciples. But let me say this. What we're really saying if we say that is the rest of this world, the rest of our community, they can go straight to hell. Now, what is more important? I'm serious. What is more important? That you know everyone and that, you know, everyone knows your name. Or that everyone knows the name of Jesus. You know, that's why it's so important. That as we continue to grow larger, we grow smaller at the same time through our life groups and our life teams. That people are connected in community. That they are getting to know people and they're doing life with people. You see, you and I don't need to know everyone, but we do need a group of people that we can grow with and do life with. And that is why we emphasize our life groups here. And that is why we want you to be a part of community. That is why we want you to serve and be involved in, in ministry. So every person matters. Every person, every number is a person. Number two, God wants his church to grow. God does. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. By the way, this passage, the context of this passage is talking about you know, the, the, the coming back of Jesus, the return of Jesus Christ. And you know, the only reason Jesus did not come back last night and take us home is this right here, because he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Listen, you can hardly open your Bible to any random page in the book of Acts without finding a verse that talks about numbers and, and growth 
growth, uh, the growth of the early church. uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. By the way, again, we're having a baptism uh, on October the 1st. If that's your next step in your faith, going public with your faith, and being obedient in in baptism, and following the example of Jesus, man, sign up for that today. So they received his word, they were baptized, and on that day, listen to this, there were added about how many... 3,000 souls, people, real people. Acts 2.47, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 4, many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men who came, uh, of the men came to be about 5,000. And you see that pattern over and over again. All through the book of Acts, the, the church increased in number. The Lord added to their number. Let me ask you a question. You know, what if you had a business that was losing $50,000 a day? I mean, would that get your attention? Man, I bet it would. I mean, you know, would you change some things? I mean, I mean, wouldn't you do everything in your power just to assess it and, and, and uh, you know, turn that thing around to stop that loss? I mean, to, to, you know, just to do whatever in your power. I mean, of course you would. I would too. We all would. Well, I read a statistic the other day um, that, that really bothered me, and um, it still bothers me, and, and uh, sometimes it just keeps me up at night and with my thoughts just racing through my mind. And, and here's what I read. 50,000 people die every single day without ever knowing Jesus. Let that sink in just for a second. Let me say that again. 50,000 people die every single day without knowing Jesus. 50,000 people step into eternity without Jesus Christ as their Savior. The kingdom of God loses 50,000 men, women, boys, girls, a day. And those people don't just simply cease to exist. They don't just disappear into the mist. They spend an eternity separated from God forever in a real place called hell. And, and I know what some of you might be thinking. Yeah, Pastor Chris, come on now. You know, that's a lot of people. And I'm just one person. You know, how? How in the world could I ever make a difference in a big number like that? I happen to believe the answer is pretty simple. One. One life at a time. Everybody turn around and look back at our one sign. Look at that. Some of you are fairly new to Coastal and maybe you haven't been explained what that means. You think we don't pay the light bill or can't change a light bulb and wondering why, you know, some of the lights aren't lit up or what that represents or what it means. Um, That's been kind of an emphasis here at Coastal this year. One, each one of us reaching out to that one person in our life who doesn't know Christ. In fact, each one of those light bulbs represents one person here at Coastal 
who has given their life to Jesus this past year. There are 52 light bulbs on that, uh, in that sign, and our idea was we want it to be normal here at Coastal that over the course of the year, at least on average, one person gives their life to Jesus every single week here at Coastal. And we got seven more lights to light. And it's September. Um, in fact, inside your, uh, your bulletin today, there's a little uh, invest and invite card. Uh, this is actually for you. This is not for you to give away. And uh, sure, we want you to write down the name of a person or the name of people you know, on the back of your Connect card that you're going to turn in that we're going to pray for. But this is for you. This is to serve as a little reminder. On the front, it says, I will seek to invest in others who don't, don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and invite them to Coastal. And then on the back, there's a place for you to write the names of at least three people that uh, you will pray for. In fact, you're saying, I will pray for them daily. I'll share my own verbal witness. I'll share my story, and I'll invite them to Coastal. You know, the little commercial, who's in your wallet? So, who is in your wallet? Who is your one? You see, one of these days, included in that 50,000, is going to be your one. Your best friend, your uncle, your parents, your child, the person who sits next, next to you at work, a student in your class, or your neighbor. Start with them. Start with them. This morning, I, I want us to look at an encounter that Jesus had with one. One man. One man by the name of Zacchaeus. And I want us to see several things that would help us very practically make a dent in that 50,000. One. One life at a time. And again, I want to challenge all of us today to invite and to bring a friend on church, to church on October the 1st. You know, I said earlier that I believe that on October 1st, we could very easily break uh, 700 people in attendance. Now, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but you know, pretty regularly we have over 500 people here now at Coastal. So how, how could that happen, that we could you know, have more than 700 people show up here on Sunday? Very easily. How is that? Each one of us invite and bring one person to church. So, let me set the stage for this particular encounter that Jesus has with this one man. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. Uh, it's about a week now before his arrest and trial and execution. And he's passing through Jericho. It's a little town just northeast of Jerusalem. And a crowd has gathered around him as he's passing through town. And in that crowd, in that crowd uh, is the wee little man himself, Zacchaeus. Now, some of you who grew up in church and you grew up in children's church singing children's songs, you know why I said the wee little man himself, because there's a very popular children's song about uh, Zacchaeus was a what? Wee little man. And uh, it's got little motions. We'll sing that today, right now. Come on, Chris. No, anyway. Um, but uh, he's a wealthy guy. And uh, he's very well known in his community. But it would be difficult for me to overstate just how hated 
and despised he was in his community. He was the tax man. He worked for the IRS. But it went so much deeper than him just being the tax man. What that meant was that Zacchaeus, who was a Jewish man, had actually partnered with the hated Romans. He was, in essence, he had, in essence, bought a tax collection franchise from the Roman government. And so he was considered actually worse than a traitor. You know, nobody here likes to pay taxes, right? Well, the Jews hated paying taxes. They, it, it burned them with indignation that they would have to give money to a government that had actually conquered them and was occupying their land. They actually thought that it dishonored God to have to pay taxes to Rome. And, and the tax collector, the tax man, made it happen. And then, on top of that, it was the way that the taxes were collected in that day. Uh, tax codes you know, were kind of vague. Um, and so the tax collectors basically were like the mafia. And, and they just kind of employed thugs to intimidate and extort as much money as they can, could from the people. And so then Rome would come alongside and take whatever they wanted, and then what, whatever was left, the tax collector could keep. So they were traitors, and, and, and the people hated them for it. In fact, back then, the very term tax collector was synonymous to the Jewish uh, person with the word sinner. That uh, They were lumped in with the same group of people of, uh, of murderers and, and prostitutes. The Jewish rabbi taught that a tax collector actually disgraced his family uh, back, back seven generations. And they weren't allowed to give in a synagogue because it, it violated Jewish law to use any money uh, that, was, uh, that a tax collector might give. They couldn't testify in court because nobody trusted them. And Luke tells us in verse 2 here that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. Now what that meant was that he supervised the work of all the other tax collectors in the region, which meant that he got a cut from whatever they took from everybody. So he was a thief who stole from other thieves, which means he was not just despised by the Jewish people, the other tax collectors probably hated him too. Now, with all that in mind, I want you to follow along as I read. It'll be on the screen, and it's in your outline. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, he was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a what? A short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation 
has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, listen to this, for the son of man, for Jesus, came to seek and to save what was lost. Several things I want you to see in this story that can help us change the world one life at a time. Number one, Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus, and Jesus was looking for him. There was something missing in Zacchaeus' life that all the money, all the power could never provide. That's why he ran ahead of the crowd, he climbed up a tree. I mean, don't you think that's pretty unusual behavior for a powerful, wealthy man? I mean, to, to, to run and, and to climb a tree. But, but he left all that. He left his power. He left his stuff behind because... He was searching for something. Something was missing in his life, and he was looking for it. He must have felt that Jesus could provide what he needed. You know, maybe, just maybe, he'd heard about Jesus' reputation of being a friend of tax collectors like him, of sinners. Now, whatever the reason, my point today is this. We all know people who are searching. They're in search of peace. They're in search of community. They're in search of real friendship. They're in search of hope. They're in search of anything, something that'll fill that void in their heart. And they're trying anything and everything to do it. And even in those times, I think they're not sometimes even sure what they're looking for or what they really need but you and I do. It's Jesus. But there is something that disturbs me. There is something that, that bothers me, that scares me about this story. You know, what was it actually, literally, that kept Zacchaeus from getting to Jesus? It, it really wasn't his own inadequacies. You know, it wasn't his height. What was it? In fact, there's another story where we see the exact same barrier, the, the exact same you know, roadblock. It's that story where uh, the four friends are trying to bring their paralytic, paralytic friend to Jesus, and they end up having to you know, climb up on top of a house and dig a hole in the roof and lower their friend before Jesus. It wasn't just his disability that kept him from getting to Jesus. What was it there? What was it with Zacchaeus? You know what it was? It was the crowd. It was the crowd. The people actually got in the way of somebody finding their way to Jesus. Now, here's what I'm getting at today. I think that very same thing happens in a lot of churches today. We get so focused on us and our needs and we start thinking that the church is all about me and we forget that we are on a mission sometimes we, we it's this difference of thinking between like a cruise ship men mentality or a battleship and sometimes we go to church thinking the church is kind of like a cruise ship how many of you are cruisers you ever been on a cruise come on raise your hand if you've been on a cruise you can admit it you're not in trouble okay you're like well this sounds bad i don't want to say it no but you know, sometimes you go on a cruise ship, man, you know, for like a, you know, three days or a week, it's all about you, isn't it? I mean, it's awesome. You can get up at two in the morning and go what? 
eat. Eat a buffet, eat whatever you want. I mean, they are there to cater to you and every one of your needs. And sometimes people think that's what the church is. Listen to me, we are not a cruise ship. We are, on a, we are a battleship and we're on a mission. We lock arms and we are here to seek and save the lost. It's not about you, it's not about me. It's about bringing glory to God and reaching as many people as possible. Listen, coastal, it was the crowd. You know, our, our mission is to do anything short of sin, to see people come to Christ. Our, our, our mission is to, to beat down the gates of hell and to rescue people one, one life at a time. But sometimes, sometimes people and churches, we make it so difficult for people to be introduced to Jesus. We make them go through so many hoops and, and you know, we, we won't reach out to people. We, we, we might as well make them climb a roof or climb a tree because we're no different. But let me tell you something, lost people never go unnoticed by Jesus. Jesus saw him. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to your house today. And don't miss that. I mean, Zacchaeus had climbed a tree with the hopes of finding Jesus, of locating Jesus, only to discover that the whole time Jesus had been searching for him. You see, when you were saved, you didn't find Jesus. He found you. Verse 10 says, says that, the Son of Man, Jesus came to what? Seek and save the lost. Jesus is the one who has been seeking. Our salvation basically is the result of our discovery that he has been pursuing us. He has been calling us. He has been drawing us to himself the whole time. Coastal, people are all around you today where you live, where you work, and where you play, and they are searching. They are searching. And Jesus is seeking them. And our job, your job, my job, is simply to help make the introductions, to introduce people to Jesus. You know, let's pray this week that God would open our eyes and open our hearts and help us to see people through his eyes. And we would reach out to that one. Number two, Jesus spent time with him. Jesus spent time with him. Jesus said, today I'm coming to your house. Why does he say that? I mean, you know, this is a hated man. I mean, a thief, an extortioner, uh, a traitor who everyone believed had dishonored God? I mean, what business would Jesus have at his house? And that's exactly what everybody was thinking. But don't you see, listen to me, Coastal, that is his business. And it's our business. He said, that's why I came, to seek and save the lost, to reach out in love and, and grace and truth and acceptance and forgiveness to anybody, anybody who has sinned themselves into a terrible spot. And that is all of us, by the way. And while that's happening, the crowd there begins to turn on Jesus a little bit. And the truth is, many people, again, 
some churches and a lot of people who call themselves Christians are a lot more like this crowd than they'd ever want to admit. I mean, why? Why are we so quick? We're so ready to write people off when they don't happen to sin like we sin. When when, when they don't measure up to our standard, like you and I are the standard. Why do we move so quickly to disassociate ourselves with people who are broken, who are struggling, who are messed up? I'll tell you one reason why. It's because we have yet to let the grace of God fully take root in our own lives. You know, we like it when God's grace is applied to us and our situation. But when it comes to somebody else who just, you know, it's, it's different. It's a different story. Costa, listen. If we're not really willing to, pit, to spend time with lost, hurting people, and I mean like do life with them and go into their homes and have them into our home, and you know, again, not, I'm not talking about preaching and yelling and screaming and judging. I'm saying to do life, to, to go into their culture, to go into their circles and, and to be friends and then why don't we just go ahead and admit that we really don't care about them at all and that we're okay with that person being a part of that 50,000 a day? Number three, only Jesus truly changes people. You know, here's what I believe. My job, our job, is to introduce people, all people, wherever they're from, whatever they've done, wherever they've been, it's just to introduce them to Jesus and to let him and his love and his life and the Holy Spirit to let him do the changing you know, we really don't know exactly what happened at Zacchaeus' house that day. The Bible simply says that Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house to be with him. You know, I like to think that maybe they sat down and, you know, shared a meal together. And, you know, at some point, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, tell me about what you do. Tell me about your job. And before he knows it, Zacchaeus is just pouring out his heart to Jesus. And he's telling him how he's been stealing from people. You know, we we really don't know what happened at that meeting. But what we do know is that when it was all said and done, Zacchaeus was a changed man. His, this encounter he had with Jesus, I mean, Man, it changed everything. In fact, look at verse 8 again. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times 
the amount. He uses the term Lord. He's already putting Jesus in charge of his life. Lord, I'm going to give back half of anything. I've got everything that, to help the poor. And if I've ripped off anybody of anything, I'm going to pay them back four times the amount. Can you imagine getting a 4,000% return on your taxes this year, accompanied by a letter from the IRS stating that they've had a change of heart? You know, like that would never happen in a million years, right? But here's Zacchaeus. And before, before Zacchaeus met Jesus, man, he was just a greedy dude. Now he has become generous. Before Jesus had stepped into his life, he was a liar. But now he's willing to tell the truth. Before this encounter with Jesus, he is self-centered. It is all about him. But now he becomes Jesus-centered. Before Zacchaeus was searching, he was looking, and now he has been fulfilled. And that's exactly what happens in our own life. You know, every single person, every man, every woman, every student who gives his or her life over to Jesus is transformed by the one who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine according to his power that is in work within you. Zacchaeus proved that through his own actions, he was a changed man. He was transformed by Jesus. And Jesus said, today, today salvation has come to this house. You know, everybody else, everybody in the community, they sized up Zacchaeus, they looked at him, and they saw a thief. They saw a sinner. They saw a hated, contemptible little man. Did you know that the name Zacchaeus actually means pure and righteous? So to everybody else in the community, that was a joke. That was a joke. But when Jesus looked at him, he didn't see a crooked little man. He saw a man who could live up to his name. He saw a man who could become pure and righteous. He saw a man that would be so generous that he would give away half of everything. At the tree, Jesus did not say, listen to this, you've got to let this sink in today. At that tree, in that crowd, Jesus did not say, Zacchaeus, you know what? You're a thief. Now, after you repent, after you pay back what you owe these people with interest and penalties, then maybe we'll have a conversation. Then maybe I will do life with you. Then maybe I will go to your house. No, instead, Jesus, what did he do? Coastal, what do we need to do? He reached out with grace and he said, come home. Let me come to your house. Let's get to know each other. And once you get to know me, once we're introduced, you will see yourself in a different light. You will want to be different and you will be changed. Jesus is here today and he is saying the same thing to you and he's saying the same thing to me. Yes, you've made mistakes. Yes, there is sin in your life, but Jesus is here and he is not pointing any fingers and neither are we. He's got his arms open wide. And he is saying today, I came to seek and to save you. You. Let's be friends. Come home. 
be changed. Coastal, that, uh, that 50,000 number bothers me. I hope it bothers you. I just happen to believe with, with God's power and our faithfulness and our just willingness to, you know, what we, we say it here at Coastal all the time, man, let's, uh, let's pray like it all depends on God. And then let's work and love and share and invite and reach out like it all depends on us. And then let's just walk by faith and trust him with the results. See, I believe that if we do that, we can significantly reduce that number. That's why we exist, Coastal. I've dedicated my life to that. That's what this church is about. And I hope that's what you're about too. Who's your one? Who are you praying for? Who are you loving? Or are you expecting the people around you you know, to, to change and to be different before you'll love them and serve them and reach out to them. And again, listen, maybe you came in here today and, and maybe you've been coming for a little while and you've been kicking the tires and, and you know, you're worried that, uh, you know, that if we knew the truth about you, you wouldn't be welcome here. Listen, nothing could be further from the truth. We are just a collection of fellow strugglers who have been saved by the goodness and the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And you can do the same. No one's pointing fingers. We want to do life with you. But at some point, you've got to admit that you need a Lord. You've got to admit that you need a Savior. That's what Zacchaeus did. He, he knew it. He said, man, I've been wrong. I, I've done wrong. And I need you, Jesus, in my life. Listen, that's where it starts. And if you'll do that, what you'll find is that Jesus is here and his arms are open wide. He's ready for you to come home. And you can put your faith, you can, you can place your faith in him today. And it's, it's not about you cleaning up your life or being good enough so that he will save you. Jesus went to the cross to clean up your life. And if you'll put your trust and your hope and your faith in him and him alone, he will adopt you into his family. He will clean you from the inside out. But in that moment, from then on, he looks at you. God looks at you. You know what he sees? He sees perfection. He sees righteousness, not yours, but his. And it's yours today for the asking. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now for that. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus who came to this earth to seek and save that which was lost. And Father, I know today that there are people in this room who have not yet started a, a personal relationship with you through, through faith in Christ. Maybe they have religion. Maybe they've just pushed you out of their life completely and run from you. Either way, it doesn't matter. Neither one is the answer. Listen, if you've been searching today, know that Jesus has been seeking you. Come home to him right now. Open up your heart and your life and in your, in your heart say, Dear Heavenly Father, 
today I want to come home. God, I do believe. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he went to the cross to pay for my sin. And today, I believe, as much as I know how, as much as I understand, I believe that he rose from the dead to prove it, to prove his power over sin and death. I believe that he is alive. And I put my faith and my trust in him and him alone. And now, God, for the rest of my days, I just want to worship you, thank you, with my life. And listen, if you prayed that, if you said that in your heart today, the Bible says that you are saved, that you are a child of the King, that you have been adopted into his forever family, and there is a home in heaven reserved for you for all eternity. And now together, together, Coastal, we, the church, are going to point people to Jesus. We love you, Father. We pray this today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.